I still want to encourage you to do your best with the social distancing. Leave a couple spots between you. We've got more space on Saturday night service and Sunday first. And if it's ever a little crowded in here and you feel uncomfortable, the cafe is in overflow. So anyway, thrilled you're here. Turn your Bibles, Zechariah chapter 1. How many uh, believe in dual citizenship? Trick question to start the day here. Dual citizenship. Yeah, well, guess what? I do. Because I am a member first, a citizen of God's eternal kingdom, but I'm also a citizen of the United States of America. And I'm privileged to live here, and there's responsibilities that go with that, and one of them is voting. Uh, we have probably had six weeks of being sick and tired of hearing about politics, and everybody said? Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, it's going to happen. But here's what I know. You can't vote if you're not registered. And we want to make it easy for you. We've got registrars in the lobby. They're not a party-affiliated members of our church. Whether you're Arkansas or Texas, you can stop by today. This, uh, we've got one more weekend, so to this weekend and next. And uh, I hope that you will certainly do that. Uh, did you notice something di different in your chair today? Yeah, well, we're going to have communion at the end of our service. I am interrupting my series today on the book of James to speak to you a message entitled The Return... And the message is actually about America. And I'm going to encourage you that are listening online. We're thrilled you're here. I want to encourage you, if you're online, why don't you just go and get you a cracker, some bread, or some juice, and later on we'll all receive communion together. But what the return is about, it's about a nation calling back to, uh, uh, us calling a nation back to God. How many know, listen, when I, when I, when I, open the Bible every week, I do my best to try to give you a message that's going to be encouraging and helpful in your everyday life, something you can take home that's going to make your life better. But today I want you to think bigger with me. I want you to think with me today about America. And America is at a spiritual crossroads. Our political parties in America today are becoming increasingly polarized. They used to kind of be the same, but now, I mean, I'm telling you, one's heading way to the left, my right, your left, the other's a little more right, but it, we could end up in a real mess. But here's what I want to tell you today is the answer is not um, political, the answer is spiritual. And this is what we're going to talk about today, but I want to begin with a short video about the return, and uh, I think it will speak to you. Is this a wake-up call? Is God trying to reach us, warn us, call us back? The time to pray, to seek his face, may never come again. If we do not return now, we may pass the point of no return. God is calling, return to me, and I will return to you. I will restore you and heal your land. The time is late. The return, the global day of repentance and prayer, it is time to return. America is in trouble, and that is perhaps the greatest understatement that I could say today. We have lived for six months in a first in our lifetimes, a, pa a global pandemic called COVID. There are riots on the streets of major cities that go on every night, and our news hides them from us oftentimes. Hurricanes keep coming through the Gulf. There was one last week that came through Louisiana. There's another one that's supposed to come this week. Fires burning on the, uh, our, our west coast rebellion in our land, racial turmoil. It doesn't seem to get better, but it seems to get worse in America. Violence. And I heard someone say something, and I, I was reluctant to embrace it, 
But I heard him say that they thought we were on the brink of a possible civil war over the election. I think there's truth in that. I think there's some truth in that. I think there are forces that are, will do anything for power. I think there are forces that will do anything to control what happens in Washington, globalism, the whole, the whole deal that's out there. But here's the deal. A political, a political solution won't help us. We need a spiritual awakening. And this is what I want to talk about today. And you and I can't produce a spiritual awakening. But what we can do is we can open a door for God to come through through our prayers, through our repentance, through our turning back to God, that God would come and visit our land. Um, Zechariah chapter 1, an Old Testament prophet. Zechariah said, The word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Now, I wonder, is it possible that the Lord may be angry with America today? Is it possible that the God who gave us this great nation... The God who gave us a a rule book, a guidebook for living called the Bible, and we've turned it in his face. As a nation, we have almost blasphemed his standards of, of marriage, of morality. You go down the list. We're avoiding God at every turn in America today. But God said this to Zechariah. He told them, say to the people, thus declares the Lord of hosts. Say it with me. Return to me says the Lord, and I will return to you. Now, God didn't say, I'm going to come to you, and then you'll come to me. The order was, you return to God, and then God comes to you. What does that mean? You begin to live God's ways. You begin to live by the precepts of the Bible. You begin to follow the Lord. And verse 5, they took the appropriate response. They repented. This idea of returning and repenting are very similar terms, but is a turning, if the cross represents the Lord and what he stands for, his spirit where he's calling and leading, and in any way we are walking away from God, returning is coming back and following the Lord. In our lives, it's different things. I don't have a problem with stealing. I don't need to return to the Lord, but I'll tell you what I've been asking the Lord about. I've been saying in this season, because this is a 10 or 12 day season, I've been saying, Lord, is there apathy in my life? Am I compromising? Am I lukewarm? Am I allowing things to get in my world that are separating from you? Is worldliness in my life? All these are questions that I'm going to encourage you to begin to explore with me as we talk about the return Because again, friends, you and I can be pivotal, not just in our vote on November 2nd or 4th, whichever it is, but we can be pivotal in what we do spiritually to help this nation turn back to God. Now, um, I want to give you just a little history lesson about what I'm calling spiritual awakenings in America or revivals. Uh, How many have ridden by a church somewhere and you saw it said revival meetings, you know, Sunday night through Wednesday? Yeah, sure. Uh, but how many know you can't produce a revival? How many know we can invite an evangelist and have church for a few nights, but a revival is a spiritual awakening that affects the church, individuals, a culture. It affects a city. It affects a nation. And America's had this in our history. The first great awakening, now think about this, it was 286 years ago. That was before our Declaration of Independence. 
Now, America had been here for quite a while. We've got our 13 colonies. They had drifted away from God. And it was in 1734 that a man named Jonathan Edwards began to preach sinners in the hand of an angry God. George Whitfield was a preacher that traveled the countryside. It was said of George Whitfield that he could, Benjamin Franklin even said this, that he could stand in a field and 10 to 20,000 people could hear his voice. I mean, he had a great voice, but in his ministry in one town, 300 souls were converted in six months. And you say, well, what's so big about that? It was a town of 1,100 people. A third of the town came to Christ. When that began to happen, revivals broke out in 100 towns along the northeast quarter. The second great awakening, 1795, you ever heard of Charles Finney? Charles Finney was a preacher. 100,000 were converted in Rochester, New York. Rochester, New York is the site today of riots that are going on on almost a daily basis. But in its founding, there was a preacher that was there and 100,000 people came to Jesus. You know what? If revival would break out in America, if it would break out in the midst of these riots, how many know the riots would stop? Come on, how many know if revival comes to households, domestic violence stops? Come on, how many know if revival comes to a city, corruption in its government stops? There's just something that changes. Morality turns around. You don't have to fear violence in the streets when people are coming to Christ. It is possible. Um, there was a, there was a in uh, 1857, it was called the Businessmen's Revival. Not a group of preachers, but a group of business people. They gathered to pray, started out with six of them. Before they knew it, the room was filled. Then it went to every day a week. And then before they knew it, they had to find places all over town and all over the countryside. People were seeking God. It became known as the Great Prayer Meeting Revival. Did you know that during the Civil War, 1861, 300,000 soldiers made commitments to Christ? 300,000 soldiers in the Civil War, the bloodiest war of our nation. What's called the Urban Revivals, 1875. You ever heard of a man named Dwight L. Moody? How about Billy Sunday? Billy Sunday preached to more than 100 million people and a million or more conversions. Can you imagine what could happen to America? Imagine what would happen to Hollywood. If there were conversions, if revival broke out in Hollywood, I guarantee you this, your programming would change. You'd have to fast forward less on the television. Uh, pornography would not be as prevalent because people would choose a different profession. You see, when people come to Christ, things change. You ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? It was 1906. The Pentecostal and Charismatic Revivals were born. After World War II, Billy Graham came on the scene. Billy Graham, uh, uh, it is estimated that 180 million people attended his 400 crusades. Not only did they attend his crusades, million watched on television. A man named Bill Bright. Bill Bright, it was said, preached the gospel in public and tracts and literature and the Jesus film to more people that have ever lived on the face of the earth. In the mid-1990s, not too long ago, it was the Toronto Blessing. It was the Brownsville Revival. Did anyone ever go to the Brownsville Revival? Listen, I went. We went down there to Brownsville. We, drove, we stood in the rain six hours to get inside a building. 100,000 people came to Christ over two years. The Promise Keepers Revival. All these things were happening. Spiritual awakenings. And here's what I want you to get to understand the, the significance. Spiritual awakenings happen during times of spiritual and moral decline. And friends, that's where we are today. 
And it happens because people begin to pray. It happens because they realize their politicians cannot fix it. Listen, they cannot continually give us trillion-dollar stimuluses and have our money be worth any more than newspaper. They cannot, we cannot live the world. The politician can't solve it, but Jesus can. What happens when people begin to pray, people that are in need of God, they begin to come to Christ. They begin to obey the Bible. They begin to change. And, and, and it, in societies, morals begin to change. Now, i got to confess, I'm 60-ish. Tell your neighbor you don't look it. He doesn't look it. Hope you didn't just lie in church. Um, I still watch some old TV shows. I still watch uh, Opie and Andy uh, and Barney sometimes. It's like you're in a different time zone when you turn on modern day television to what America used to be. Why did that happen? It was, a, it, was a, it was something in the spiritual fabric of the nation. Let me tell you probably the most graphic thing I could find on how revival changes a, 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 a country. It was called the Welsh Revival, 1904, in, the, in the, uh, uh, the nation of Wales in the United Kingdom. Listen to what it says about the taverns and bars. They were full, but then they closed for lack of business. And listen, I can tell you for a fact, before I became a dedicated Christian, I drank and I drank a lot because I was trying to fill a void in my life you don't look at me like that you were too I was trying to fill something in my life that I couldn't fill in well uh, uh, bars closed policemen were idle for lack of criminal activity now I, I, I think one of the craziest things I've ever watched in my life the Minneapolis Minneapolis City Council that, of course, where the George Floyd, his death, the riot started. But their police decided in their, uh, I don't know what, they would defund the police and that would solve the problems. And that, there was interviews with these Minneapolis uh, city council men and women. And they were, just couldn't understand why violent crime was going up so much. And why more people were being murdered. And there was more uh, robbery and assault. And people were robbing and stealing during the day. And I thought to myself, duh. We control evil behavior in two ways. One is God changes our heart. That's the bound of religion. Or two is you have an authority like the police. And the police control the violence. Well, how many know it's one or the other? You've either got to have a police force that controls evil behavior or it's got to be controlled from within. And that's what God can do. Now, let me read you a little story. You're going to find this a little bit humorous. But uh, in Wales, again, uh, one of their industries was mining, you know, uh, ore mines. And if you can think of the little donkey, you know, pulling the wagon filled with iron ore. Well, the miners, you know, you think burly men, you know, they, they would just, they worked down that much. And what they would do is they would cuss to get that mule uh, to pull the, the wagon. Now, if you've ever been around people that cussed a lot, I bet those miners excelled at cussing. How many can say there was a time at your life you excelled in cussing? I'm going to raise my hand here. Man, I could cuss a blue streak. Well, I can just imagine them with that mules. Come on, get your... Well, you know what happened after the revival? These miners got saved and they quit cussing. And the mules wouldn't work. <laughs> and they, this is a true story. You can look it up. Welsh revival. And they had to retrain the mules. So what's my point? Is that when God sweeps through a nation, things change. And this could happen 
in America. Because listen, friend, I, I tell you this, I don't care what political party gets in there, they can't fix what's broken. They cannot fix it. Um, the solution to our problems are spiritual. Now let's go to the Bible. I want to look at the Old Testament, a promise in the New Testament of a word called repentance or returning to God. Uh, God promised Israel if they returned to him that he would return to them. Now let me paint a little picture. If you've got your Bibles, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. And uh, you that are watching online, I can see you. So uh, go ahead there, turn your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 1. But you know the story. Israel had blown it big time, and finally God said, after 700 years, I've had enough, and he sent them into exile. Well, when they went over there, they cried out to God, and they got right with God. And then God said, I'm going to send you back to your homeland. So after 70 years, they go back to Jerusalem, they rebuild the temple. It's like the church building was falling. They rebuilt it, and there was a wall that surrounded the city. Well, they didn't get to that. It was broken down. And then the people went from their spiritual high, and they started going back to a spiritual low. Well, there was a man named Nehemiah, and he was outside the homeland. And Nehemiah said, uh, said tell me what's going on. And they told Nehemiah about the condition of the people. And here's where the message gets very uh, forthright and sincere. Look at me now uh, and stay with me. Nehemiah said, as soon as I heard these words about Jerusalem, I sat down and I, say, say it again, I wept. I wept, I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying. This return that we're talking about is not a one Sunday deal. It's a period of time. We're going to start out with 10 or 12 days of asking God to help us search our hearts and souls. And i got to be honest with you, I went before God and I said, God, I, I, I don't weep over what I see around me. I changed the channel. I get back in my car and I had to ask God to forgive me. How, how do we react to what's going on in America? I want to show you a little video you know, we almost become desensitized to it. But in Los Angeles, there were two police deputies sitting in a car. And a young man came up to that car and shot him in the head and face three times. And I want to show you, it's just about 20 seconds and it repeats itself. But I just want you to think about this young man in desperate need of God. Surely he's been hurt in life, he's been whatever, taken advantage of. But somebody has filled his heart and his soul with a level of evil that has captured our nation's view. Take, take a little peek here. These two innocent deputies. If he'd have been home that night and, his, and, and, and somebody was breaking in their apartment or his mom was having a heart attack, he'd have dialed 911. And he'd have hoped for the same police to have come to, to help his mama. If he had a car and somebody stole his car, if he'd worked hard on a job to get money for it and somebody stole it, he'd, he'd call the police. But something has filled that young man's mind a level of violence and hatred that should cause us to weep. All our world sees is 
what color was his skin? But he's a human being created in the image of God. And those two police officers were human beings, a man and a woman created in the image of God. We're not just black and white. We're not just men and women. We're people that God created that share the same creator and hopefully the same father in heaven one day. And my prayer is that these kind of things would not just cause us to get angry on Facebook. But these kind of things would cause us to do what me and I did and weep before God. Could we just pause just a minute and say, Lord, would you help soften our hearts? Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord, would you help me see things like you do and not hate people, Lord? But would you help me have a love for people and a, and a compassion for the world that makes me mourn and weep because it, it did something. This is what Nehemiah did. Look at verse 5. Nehemiah said, said, Oh Lord God of heaven, you keep your covenant, or you keep your promises, and you're a loving God, your steadfast love with those who love you and keep your commandments. This is why we're using the phrase return to God because we're not keeping his commandments. The Bible is ignored. It's, it's thrown out of our public sphere. But, but even oftentimes we as Christians don't pick our Bibles up. See, how do I treat my wife? Do I love her as Christ loved the church? How do I treat my enemies? Do I love my enemies? Is there integrity? Is there honesty in my life? These are all biblical issues. When there's an unwanted pregnancy... Do I follow the thinking of the world and just get rid of it as a piece of fetal material? Or do I recognize that child, no matter how they were conceived, are created in the image of God and have a destiny and a plan, and, and, and God has a purpose for that child's life? It's the Bible that shapes our lives. He said in verse 6, Lord, hear our prayer. And he said, I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel. I've had to ask God, forgive me. There's very little that keeps me up at night other than somebody snoring. That's a joke. <laughs> she says, I snore, but I never hear it. God, would you give us your burden? Would you let us cry out to you in the night season? Would you let us Take these spiritual steps that might awaken a nation. Notice what he said, and this is very interesting. He confessed the sins of the people of Israel. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Friends, if you want to have a tender heart to God, get on your knees. I'm practicing this twice a day. It's not very long. My knees hurt. But I get down and I, I, I bow before the Lord. And I tell the Lord that I need him. I tell the Lord I can't live without him. And at night I tell him, thank you. But how about if on our knees, if we begin to ask God for forgiveness for our sins and forgiveness for the sins of what we see all around us. All around we do, all we do now is we, 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 you know, we assault the media. It's fake media. God, would you forgive the people that are lying to us in the press? Would you forgive those that call wrong right and right wrong? See, this is what Nehemiah did, and this is the turning that we're talking about. Uh, he went on to say, uh, you, you promised Moses that, that uh, if he would be uh, unfaithful, you'd scatter them. But if they would return to me and keep my commandments. 
Though they were outcasts in the uttermost parts of the earth, God said, from there I'm going to bring them, and I'm going to bring them back to the place I've chosen. And God did that. God restored his people to the promised land. There is an abiding spiritual principle. That is, when people forget God, sin takes over, and all kinds of problems come in a nation. The, pro- the answer to the solution of America's problems are not a new social services care for the elderly or more money for, for caring for children in preschool or global war. All that stuff is, is stuff. But the root issue here is that we turn our hearts back to God. And when we return our hearts back to God, we keep His commandments, we honor His Bible, and we love our neighbor. Come on, somebody give the Lord a big hand today. Now I'm going to talk about this word that applies to me and it applies to you. It's called repentance and why it's so important. I want to look first in the Old Testament, then I want to go to the New Testament. This word repent, it means to turn around. It means to change your life. It means to change the way you think about sin and righteousness. If the cross, as it does, represent Jesus and the, the committed Christian is following Christ, we stumble, we fall, we get tempted But we don't give in. We keep following the Lord. But what I need to repent from is when I've said no to God. Come on now. And I don't care if it's stealing. I don't care if it's coveting my neighbor's truck or coveting my neighbor's wife or watching porn or whatever it is. It gets a hook in our soul and it drives a wedge between us and God. Repentance is this, which am I going to choose? Am I going to keep going this way, keep following that, keep going my selfish desires, or am I going this way? And this is what repentance is. And I want you to to listen now to the New Testament portion. And I want to read from arguably three of the most famous people in the whole Bible. Three of the most spiritually minded people, people. Three of the people that have the greatest impact on the pages of Scripture. It's John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter. And I want you to think with me about the significance of not only what they said, but when they said it. Let's begin with John the Baptist. When John the Baptist began his public ministry, what did he say in verse 2? Say it with me. Repent of your sins and, and turn to God. Scholars tell us, some scholars believe John the Baptist baptized hundreds of thousands of ardent Jews in the Jordan River. It was John the Baptist's message. But how about Jesus in Matthew 4? When Jesus began his public ministry, after the 40-day temptation, Jesus began to preach this. Say it with me. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We don't hear that very often. We hear about the, you know, we hear about the great commandments. We hear about the Sermon on the Mount. We hear about what Jesus said about marriage and divorce. But Jesus began his ministry calling people back to God. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, when the first church was born in the upper room, the Holy Spirit visited those 70-some-odd Jewish believers praying, seeking God, and a miracle happened. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, people heard them praising God. 3,000 people gather around them. And they looked at Peter and said, what do we do? And you know what Peter said? Repent. Repent of your sins. And turn to God so your sins may be wiped away. You say, Pastor, I thought they all said believe. John 3.16, right? Well, believing is repenting. If, if, for example, um, 
let's say my, my, uh, I'm, I'm at home, and my wife says, uh, honey, you, you got a, f- uh, 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 I don't know what. Oh, I know what. She, Publisher's Clearinghouse is on the phone, and they want to come by and see you. I signed up. And you're saying, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Is that what you do? No, you run to the phone. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about running to God and running back to God. How many know we're not saved by our good works? I can never save myself. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. Not by works lest any man should boast. But how many know when God has saved us, God expects us to live a saved life? I've had to go to the Lord and ask God to forgive me because sometimes I just think my life is so good. I don't feel these, this weeping for my nation. I've, I've enjoying God's blessings so much when I think God wants more from me. I think God wants me to cry out in the night for people that are hurting and lonely. I think God wants me to crowd in the night for people that are, there's violence on the streets of our city. There's child abuse that's a rampant plague that's running all around us. Come on now. I think God wants to do this in our lives. And you may be here and say, well, pastor, you got my attention now. What do I do? Why don't you go ahead and ask me that question. Say, what do I do? do, do? I'm glad you asked. Now I want you to get this little piece of paper. And I want to tell you something that's going on. I first want to look at this, this, this it, it, on the back of the colored page. It, it's a covenant of repentance and prayer. And let me tell you what I'm going to do with this. Uh, we're going to be praying at the church for the next 10 or 12 days. Unfortunately, uh, I have an annual trip that I go to visit my dad in Mississippi. He's 83 and I, I steal farms and I go with him to be there a little while. I'm going to be there this week, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this with me in my pocket every day on the tractor. I'm going to pray through this. Well, what if every day you and I just took some time to be quiet before God? Because here's my problem. If I keep doing the same thing spiritually I've always done, I'm always going to be the person that I am right now. I've got to bring something new in my life. I've got to bring a new understanding of prayer. I've got to, I've got to do something different. Well, what if you and I just began to pray through this? How about if I said this? Every day for a week or so. Jesus, you're worthy of my deepest love and continual worship. I repent of any of my ways that I've left my first love. Any ways where I'm not serving you or worship, my worship's become lukewarm. I'm in a routine or a ritual. I covenant to love you with all my heart. Look at the second one. Uh, Lord, I confess and repent of any neglect in my personal prayer life. Imagine how powerful that would be if you were on your knees. Lord, I repent that I've not prayed. I repent that I've not read your word. I make a covenant today. I'm going to spend quality time in the word and prayer. Look at one more. Uh, Lord, I confess and repent that I have neglected my daily love for people and, and my own spiritual cleansing. I've neglected moral purity and I've neglected godly relationships. I don't deny myself. I commit myself to daily cleansing. Ongoing repentance and yielding to your Lordship. Imagine if you just prayed, and it's about seven or eight of them that are like that. I want to tell you, friends, there's power in that. There's power to change. Let me tell you something else we're doing. Flip over to the other side. The bottom bottom here lists prayer times. 
I wish I could take credit for this, but I can't. In COVID, when we couldn't start, you know, we're back having church now, okay? I mean, we still want to wear masks, particularly when we leave the building and come in the building and those kind of things and social distance as best we can. But there was a time when we weren't doing this and we're all sitting around, a bunch of elders, and we were just talking about, well, why don't we just start praying? And this was just the Holy Spirit. So we just started showing up. And before we knew it, we were praying seven days a week here in the sanctuary. Last Friday morning, there were 25 of us gathered around this altar praying not just that God bless the sales department today and bless the marketing. Now, look, that's okay, but don't pray for that first. Right now, we're saying, God, America needs you. Um, Our nation needs you. Before church, uh, this morning at 8 o'clock, there were 20 people in the cafe. Well, these are times every day over the next 10 days. Could you just take one hour? One hour and just commit yourself to come and pray with us. It might impact the nation. Now let me give you another big one. You might even want to put this one in your phone as a reminder. Uh, Next Saturday, September 26, this return thing is not a church on the rock thing. There are probably millions of Christians across America doing this. There's going to be a meeting around the world. There's going to be a meeting in Washington, D.C. next Saturday. Actually, my wife's taking a team from our church of about 15 up there. They're going to pray on the, on the mall in Washington. They're going to repent up there. But we're going to do a simulcast right here in this sanctuary uh, from 8, uh, what time does it start? 8 in the morning till 4. And then at 4 o'clock, we're going to move it in the cafe. Uh, you could just come for an hour or two next Saturday and join in with some of the greatest spiritual leaders in America. All the great men and women that I respect over the years are, uh, are going to be in Washington leading the nation in repentance. Those are some practical things that we can do, some steps that, that, that we can take. Now, I'm going to shift gears here, and, and, and we've got about 15 minutes, and we want to have communion together. I cannot think of a better time to examine my heart than during communion. You know, the Bible even says in in, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, here's the deal. You can't earn your way into heaven. It's a gift of God. And that's what this little juice reminds us of the blood of Jesus and this little wafer reminds us of the body of Christ on that cross. That's the sole source of our salvation. But how many know Righteous people, made righteous by Christ, are supposed to live righteous lives. And this is what we can examine. Now listen, I want to tell you, this thing is a little hard to open. Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you when to do it, but it's got two levels that are on it. And what I want to do now is, if you're here and you don't have a communion, I want you to lift your hands and uh, an usher will come to you and bring it to you as we watch this video by Jonathan Kahn, one of the uh, founders of, the, of this uh, return. This is Jonathan Kahn. We are standing at a critical moment in American and world history, a moment that can seal the future for calamity or redemption. We've driven God out of our culture, and now we war against his ways. If we don't return to God, America's light will go out.
The answer is revival, but we only have a limited window of time. So this is the announcing of the return, the national and global day of prayer and repentance. Saturday, September 26, 2020. Join me for a prophetic and critical gathering on the National Mall, Washington, D.C. And if you can't make it, the return will be all over America. Gather in your states, your churches, your homes to pray for repentance, return, and revival. And surrounding the day of return will be 10 days of prayer and repentance, beginning with a Feast of Trumpets to Yom Kippur. Plan now. The return, September 26, 2020. Spread the word in this video and go to the returnwebsite.org. That's the returnwebsite.org. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to return. Our problems are spiritual. They're not political. We can't make a, a spiritual awakening, but God can do it. We can open the door when we turn our hearts to God in repentance and prayer. I want to read a passage before we go into communion. It's from the book of Joel. You remember Joel, the great prophet? He was quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost when this great spiritual outpouring was happening. Peter said, this is God pouring out his spirit in the last days. And I went back and I read from Joel chapter 2. Before Peter's words that were quoted, here's what he said. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Return to me with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garment. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God relents over disaster. And who knows? Perhaps he'll give you a reprieve, sending a blessing instead of a curse. And this is what we pray today. I'm going to ask, they're going to sing a song, and I'm going to ask you to, if you want to bow your head or if you want to kneel, just examine your heart before the Lord as we prepare for communion. Go ahead and sing, Pastor Zach. people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And if we would seek your face, 
And if we would turn from our wicked ways, then you, Lord, would hear from heaven. You said you would forgive our sins and that you would heal our land. And God, your church is on our knees crying out to you, Lord. Have mercy on us, oh God. Forgive us for turning our backs on you. Forgive us for being lukewarm and apathetic. Forgive us, Lord, that we've called right wrong and wrong right. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing our country to slip farther and farther away from you. God, we're crying for mercy. Heal our land. God, you're the only one that can do it. We're not smart enough. God, we pray, send a revival. Send a revival to America. Send a revival to the nations of the world, Lord. God, your gospel to be preached to the uttermost parts of the earth. Turn us back to you, God. Heal our land. That's our cry, Lord. Heal our land. I want you to open your communion. Take out the wafer. It represents the body of Christ. It was broken and shed for us. Paul the Apostle said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it. He said, take and eat. This is my body. Broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, today as we hold this bread, we remember that the sacrifice of Christ paid the full price for our sins. Thank you, God. There's nothing else I can say but thank you. I receive by faith what Christ has done for my forgiveness. Let's eat the bread. Now open the second flap and we'll drink. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Could we just hold this as a toast? Jesus is coming again. Come on, tell your neighbor, Jesus is coming again. Not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And our job until that happens is to bring as many people to heaven with us as we can. And this is why we're committing to these 10 days of prayer, of seeking God, of fasting, mourning and weeping. But today, we think not of the world at first. We think of ourselves. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus has forgiven our sins. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that he paid the price on Calvary? And we just enjoy it. I want you to look at that cup a moment. Jesus said, if you forgive people when they sin against you, he'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, he's not going to forgive you. So right now, I want to release every person that's done me wrong. Every person that maligned me on Facebook the spouse that abandoned me, the trusted adult who abused me, and the business partner who stole from me. 
I release them all today in Jesus' name. And I receive the grace that comes from the blood of Christ. Come, let's pray. Well, can you say praise the Lord? I want you to stand to your feet. I hope that you will take this with you today. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to have one closing song and dismiss. I'm taking this with me, and I'm going to put it into practice all week long. I want to encourage you, if you need to register to vote on your way out, do it in that lobby. If you're a visitor, stop by there. They've got a gift. We'll exit all four exits uh, after it's over. Please social distance and wear your mask. But right now, I want our prayer team to come to the front. Prayer team, if you'll come and stand on the front. And if you need prayer for anything today, come on up, prayer team. If you need prayer for anything, there's going to be some men and women that are gathering up here that will pray for you. And uh, during this song, you can come up. Just wear your mask when you come. We'll pray for you. But most importantly, if you're here and say, Pastor, my greatest need today is to get my life right with Christ. Maybe this whole message has made you think about your personal need for a Savior. Maybe this whole message has made you think about your need for God. Maybe this whole message has made you think about wanting to walk with God and tired of living your own life. And you simply want to commit your life to Christ and pray with somebody as you get right with God. If that's the case, I want you to come to this brother right here in front of this pulpit and you come and talk to him and he'll pray with you as you make the greatest decision of your life. Amen. I love you. Go ahead and sing our last song then we'll dismiss and if you need prayer you come. just a second, so feel free to be dismissed at any time, uh, but we pray that you have a blessed day today.